Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. And I forgot to introduce uh, Rich Wolf earlier, so I'm going to introduce him real quick. Uh, he is a, a pastor coming in for events this week from our mother church, Village 7 Presbyterian. So we're really excited to have him with us and want to welcome him. Thank you for bringing the word to us this morning, Rich. Well, good morning. Good morning. We can do better than that. Come on. We're small, but we can do better than that. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. That's even better. It's really great to be here. It's fun to see familiar faces. It's also fun to see new faces here at Grace and Peace. And so we're delighted to be here and just want to ask the Lord just to go before us as we look at his word. Uh, Lori and I um, are grandparents, and we recently got to go visit um, all four grandchildren. Uh, they all live in north of Jackson, Mississippi. So we are able to go there and visit. And my older uh, daughter and older son both there and have children. And so uh, we have Sadie, who today turns five years old. And then Ava, her sister, is three. Just turned three about two weeks ago. And then we have Thomas, who's 11 months. And then we have Libby, who is nine months old. So a lot of fun, a lot of energy, right, during that time. Uh, one of the things that we uh, were very aware of is that Thomas and Libby are at that stage where they're not walking, uh, and they don't want to just crawl, but they're grabbing on things, pulling themselves up, kind of scooting along things. And the older girls uh, really want to help them out. But they're really vulnerable at this stage. And so one of the things that we realize is that we have to really be on alert. Because Ava, who is you know, three, thinks that she can carry Thomas, who he's a big boy. And uh, it almost seems like he's as big as she is. And so he thinks he can, she thinks he can carry him, and she can't. And so just all that thing. We have to be really careful because at that stage, they're really vulnerable. There's a lot of people going through a lot of things uh, this, uh, during this time. And it makes them very vulnerable. And we need to be aware and be alert to those needs around us and how to care for them uh, as well. We come to this passage in uh, the, uh, the verses that were read just a little bit earlier. Uh, one of the things we realize is that God is calling us to show kindness and tenderhearted towards others. The fourth chapter, to understand really these verses, you have to understand what the fourth chapter represents. Uh, the fourth chapter of Ephesians, you know, Paul has written this letter to the church in Ephesus, and it's a church, uh, book that's divided basically into two parts. The first three chapters deals with the riches of God's mercy, about salvation and grace that were saved by grace alone and by faith alone, in Christ alone. It's all about the fact that God has loved us with an unending love. Uh, that we are saved by grace and grace alone. And he just goes on and talks about 
uh, the incredibleness, the vastness of the gospel. And then he brings us to the fourth chapter where he says, now this is how you live out of that gospel. This is how you live new life in Christ. And so that's the focus is it's new life in Christ. What does that look like? And so as we come to this, we have to understand that God is, he's been laying the groundwork through the gospel. We always have to get the order uh, correct. We do not serve to get God's grace and God's love. We serve because we receive God's grace and God's love. Because none of us are deserving. It's all by grace and grace alone. And so now he's looking at what does it mean to live new life in Christ. If you go to uh, earlier in this uh, passage, verse 17, it says, Now this I say, testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened by their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. He's talking to the Gentile, Gentile church. He's talking to the Ephesians who were Gentiles and Greeks who had not uh, come out of the synagogue. And so he's saying, this is how you used to live. But this is not how you are to live now in Christ. And so he's reminding them of where they've come from, but also pointing them to where they are to go. Because one of the things Paul will show us in this passage is that there's the putting off, but then there's the putting on of Christ. I love to, one of the things I love to do is to grill and to smoke meat. And Lori says it's my new expensive hobby. And so, uh, it's, but it's fun. One of the keys to this is the marinade. And so you need a really good marinade. It, it softens the meat, it tenderizes the meat. Uh, it also provides flavor for the meat. And so all that impacts the outcome of what you're doing. And so I really love to kind of focus on that. Uh, when we think about this, the gospel is to be a marinade for our hearts. They were calloused and their hearts were hardened. When I was uh, a young man, I uh, was between my freshman and sophomore year in college, I actually came out from western Pennsylvania, Colorado, and I worked on a drilling rig, rig up in the mountains drilling for uranium. We were just uh, punching holes in the ground, just trying to make a grid of the extent of the uranium deposit uh, that they had found. And so every day, we would go out there and work 12 hours and be working with these pipes, and every day I'd be six thick gloves on, but splinters would go through, metal splinters would go through gloves and go into my hands. And so at the end of the day, I'd be picking out uh, these metal splinters every day. And But by the end of the summer, it was really, uh, my hands were like gloves. They were so calloused, and I was so proud. And I go home, uh, get ready for my sophomore year and at college, and you know, I'm kind of showing off to my mom how calloused my hands are. She looks at me and she goes, not only is, are your hands calloused, so is your heart. Uh, I was not a believer, but I think even for us as believers, it's so easy for us to allow our hearts to be calloused. 
to allow us to become known to things around us, things in our own lives, but things around us as well. And so we, one of the things I think Paul is reminding us here is, this is how you used to live to the Ephesians. This is not how you're supposed to live in Christ. But I think it's something we have to challenge ourselves daily with, is do not allow my heart to get callous towards the gospel. But rather, allow the gospel, allow the love of God, the mercy of God, be a merit for your heart and for your mind, so that you can live out the way that God wants us to do. And then he talks about also putting on. What do you to put on? Put on the new self. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Having put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. In the uh, letter to Romans, in chapter, uh, chapter 8, he talks about that we are being created, recreated, in sense, into the image of Christ. So we're to put off our old nature, we're to put on Christ. Uh, and that's part of living out the new nature that we have. And then he says, he gives examples. He goes from chapter, uh, verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 25 through 32, he gives us some examples of what that looks like. He says, instead of speaking falsehood, you're to speak truth to your neighbors. Instead of getting angry, you know, you, you're supposed to deal with it. He says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not sin in your anger. Uh, Lori's granddad, who lived right next to him, uh, Pop Kaufman, he uh, pulled me aside when Lori and I were engaged. And he goes, there's three things you need to know to make a happy marriage. So uh, some of the young people here are listening carefully. So you, every day you must kiss, kiss Lori. Every day you must tell her you love her. And do not go to bed angry. Deal with it so that you don't ever go to bed with your backs to each other uh, in anger, but rather deal with it. And so that's what Paul is encouraging us to do. He also says, do not steal, but work with your hands and give to the poor. He says, do not let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is edifying to those who hear it. Do you see the, the pattern that's here? It's take off this behavior, take off this attitude, and put on Christ. Do what is right. So our new life in Christ is to take off and to put on, day after day, moment after moment. Because it's not like we take it off once and then we're all done with it, right? We constantly have to deal with our old nature. And today, when we're looking at these verses, he's saying to us, do not let bitterness into your heart. So he has a list here, right? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Those things should not be a part of who we are, but rather be kind and tender-hearted towards one another. What does that look like? Well, it means that we are to have love and grace and compassion and to extend mercy to each other. It means that we are to be concerned for them as much as we are of ourselves. But I think when he, Paul is making this list, he's not saying this is something that just those who are not in Christ do. I think he's realizing these are things that live in our hearts. We deal with bitterness. We deal with anger. 
Lately, it's been nice to drive in Colorado Springs, right? We don't have so many people. But I, you know, it's, isn't it funny that you talk about driving and everybody kind of shakes their head because they go, yeah, that's an area, that's an issue. That's an issue I have, you know. Uh, try to go to the Philippines, try to go to Atlanta, try to go to some other places, and your, your, your heart really gets challenged. But, you know, we, we can joke about that, but don't we struggle with anger? Don't we struggle with bitterness? Don't we struggle with slander and malice and clamor among ourselves? Paul's not saying that this is something we don't deal with, that only the unchurched deal with. No, this is something that we deal with. And we're to put it off. And we're to put on kindness. And we're to put on tenderheartedness. And so this is a struggle that we all have. We can only do it through the power of the Spirit, through the Word of God, and through encouragement from one another. The greatest remedy towards bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice is to show kindness and be tender-hearted towards other people. John Calvin says this, and it's really, uh, I think, a, a great statement. And he says, with bitterness, God, Paul, he, Paul, contrasts kindness or gentleness of countenance, language, and manners. And as this virtue will never reign in us unless attended by compassion, he recommends to us to be tender-hearted. And this will lead us not only to sympathize, with the distresses of our brethren as if they were our own, but to cultivate the true humanity, which is affected by everything that happens to them in the same manner as if it were their situation. In other words, he's saying that when we see the distress in the lives of others, in a sense, it becomes our stress, our distress. In a sense, it becomes our hurt. It becomes our pain. I was just studying for my devotional plan, 1 Corinthians 12, and the whole idea of if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And so as he's saying, what this looks like is that we, when we see people in distress, whether it be in the church, I would say even outside the church, that their distress becomes ours. That's what it means to be tender-hearted. So if a person is struggling uh, with uh, a sin in their lives, you know, that becomes our struggle. If someone is suffering economically because of COVID and they are furloughed and their money is, is, is hardly meeting their needs, their pain becomes our pain. If there's a relational struggle in, in a family, maybe in a, in a marriage or in, with kids, uh, that struggle becomes our struggle and so on. One of the things when you think about uh, what it means to be tender-hearted, when you think about showing mercy and grace and compassion to other people, uh, isn't kindness kind of like the practical application of that? You know, when you try to define kindness, oh, it's when you're kind to somebody. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. It's when somebody is showing kindness, they're showing grace and mercy in a very practical way. They're demonstrating the love that they have for that person. They're demonstrating, they're living out what it means to be merciful to these people. And so that is what kindness <coughs> is like. And that's what we are called to be all about. During this time of COVID-19, I have found in my own life that it has a tendency of raising the head of this old old man in my life because we're isolated and we're alone and we're just 
trying to do life, um, social distancing and all that. And as a result, I think I get very selfish. And I think about myself way too much. And I think about my schedule, my plans, and my desires. And I allow that to kind of impact my heart. My heart gets callous to the needs of others. And so during this time, I found that I need to work at being tender-hearted even that much more. Because it's just too easy for me to become selfish and self-centered. In preparation for uh, the sermon, I was looking at some of Paul Tripp's devotions on this, uh, these verses from New Morning Mercies. Best devotional I've ever used. And we encourage you, if you've not gone through it, to get it. But here's the things that he says, and I think it really uh, touches my heart. Hopefully it will touch yours as well. He goes, when, we, when you forget mercy and think of you are deserving, you find it all too easy not to extend mercy to others. Proudly, you think you're getting what you deserve, and so are they. Your proud heart is not tender, tender, so it's not easily moved by the sorry plight of others. Gratitude for mercy given is what motivates mercy extended. And again, he says, we, we are all so forgetful. We can all fail to remember the magnificence of the love and the mercy that has been showered down on us. Here's the problem. To the degree that you forgive the grace that you have been given, to that same degree, it is easier for you not to extend grace to others. If you fail to carry around with you in your heart a gratitude for the love you have been given so freely, it is easy for you not to love others as you should. So my question for us is, are we being forgetful? Are we forgetful of the fact that we, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we are still enemies with God, He extended His hand of grace to us. That we bring nothing to the cross except for our sin. That it was out of God's mere riches of mercy, out of His mere grace, that He extended His love towards us. That we cannot earn God's favor Anyway, that we cannot earn God's love in a lifetime of service. That there's nothing that we can do to be deserving of God's grace. It is a gift and a gift alone. Do we forget that? What we need to do is we need to marinate with the grace of God. We need to allow it to soften our hearts. We need to allow it to give, to give us a tender-heartedness towards others who need God's grace, just like we have received. And so that's where what Paul is teaching us today. He's saying, in your heart, if you've got this, this malice, if you've got bitterness, if you've got anger, if you've got clamor, if you have slander, if you have any of these things going on, you need to focus on the gospel. And allow the gospel to soften your heart so that you can extend kindness and you can be tender-hearted towards others. 
So during this time of COVID, what are the needs around us? What are people, uh, how are they in distress? And how can we, by God's grace, extend the hand of kindness to them? I love one of the songs we sang earlier today, that we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And he's calling us to, to live out the gospel, this new life in Christ, by showing kindness to those around us. It's not just for those in the church, but that is very, very important. It's also for those in our neighborhoods and those in our community. We just found out last night, uh, having friends over dinner, that a uh, friend of ours has cancer. And we are the first people that they share it with. And I'm wondering in my heart, what kind of distress? You know, they, they took, they're kind of very nonchalant about it. I'm going, what kind of distress is he going through? What kind of concerns are in his heart? How is that impacting how the two of them interact with each other? What is it like? And so I know that his distress needs to become my distress. His concerns need to become my concerns. Because that's what, call, that's what God calls us to be with each other. So I encourage us to kind of be aware. You know, like my grandkids, you got to be kind of alert all the time. I think we need to be alert within the church. I think we need to be alert within the community where we live. And ask God to give us the awareness that we need to be able to see the needs around us and be able to graciously uh, extend a hand of kindness to them from a heart that's been tenderized the grace of God. Let me pray for us as we prepare our hearts to come to the table. Father, I do ask that you would strengthen us, that you would strengthen us with your grace, that we would be reminded uh, that it is all a gift from you, and that we are to focus on that in such a way that it prepares us for serving you faithfully and acknowledging that you are our only hope in this life and the life to come. And so, Father, as we do come to the table, let us be reminded that we come to it uh, because we are new people in Christ. And so enable us, Father, to uh, live in such a way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.